what I try to do in supporting my faith is just be conscious of, God, who are you going to put in front of me today? And to show up for that. Yeah. And I don't know if there's, if it's over coffee or if it's, it's on the golf course or if it's, you know, fly fishing or whatever that is, it just be present and be available and, and be, be bold. So, you know, I feel like that whole spiritual journey has been an adventure and it's a fun one. Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Welcome, everybody, to this week's Generous Business Owner Podcast. Uh, We do have a very special guest this week, Jay Gardner. Jay is a tech industry visionary leader. He's on a public company board, and he's also on the board of the Halftime Institute. We've had some folks from there on. This is one of our favorite groups for uh, trying to figure out maybe what's next or moving from success to significance and that sort of thing. Very relevant for the Generous Business Owner Podcast. So let me welcome uh, Jay Gardner. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Jeff. It's good to be here. Uh, This is great. So Jay and I have had a chance to talk a lot, so I'm excited for everybody to listen to this. And Jay, as you know, we always just start with kind of where somebody grew up and what their family was like. Well, where did you grow up? Yeah, so I I grew up in central Illinois in in Peoria, had uh, a great childhood, good relationship with my family. Uh, I have two older sisters that were quite a bit older than me and did a lot of fishing and sports and stuff with my dad and just, uh, you know, very common Midwest upbringing. Uh, and then post that, I went down to school in Fort Worth, Texas at TCU, uh, where I met my bride and we have now, Sally and I have been married for 47 years. And, uh, probably the most relevant family stuff is really more what it is now, which means it is a total of 25 of us six adult children, all married, 11 grandchildren. So when we get together, it is 25. So uh, that's somewhat overwhelming. And and we've decided <laughs> you know, getting everybody in the same room, but sometimes we have a hard time handling all of it together. Yeah. So we, uh, Now we, that y'all are together, hello, we're going to leave. Anyway, <laughs> no, yes, we're going for a break. Yeah, it's great. No, but I know you guys do a great job of that, trying to get everybody together and creating spaces for that. And I, that's actually probably a good foreshadowing. I think that's kind of your gift is as we talk about uh, showing up. But let's continue with the, with the story. So uh, you go to TCU. What did you study at TCU? Well, I studied management, which I thought I want to be a manager. I graduated a little bit confused about how to get into management. Sure. So I got my MBA. Okay. And during my MBA, I was convinced that I had a professor that led me down the path of selling. So I went to work at IBM as a sales rep. And uh, boy, was that an awesome start to my career and really learning the whole. We think about the timing of that. We were selling first-time computer users their first computer. So a launch of this whole technology that we're deep into today. But it was a great, great start. Uh, spent 10 years at IBM and then went into enterprise software businesses. I spent the next 20 years at a very large enterprise software company called BMC Software. Then followed that with a couple of, uh, I would say, I thought I might be retiring, but I decided that retiring was not the thing I wanted to do. 
And my good friend Ken Blanchard has written a book, which I read called Refire, Don't Retire. Mm. And uh, that's kind of what I did. So I, I really refired and I subsequently spent years in leadership in board roles. I was president of another large enterprise software company, uh, did a couple advisory roles and and then worked kind of full-time, part-time for a while in some other roles, other organizations. And uh, my latest really fun thing that I did was about a year ago, I taught the topic of leadership in the university. At uh, Texas Christian University, I taught leading in a complex world and a lot of great topics where I was really able to apply some of the reality of my life and some of the things I went through in learning. Um, Cause I, I did end up in some senior leadership roles in, in some of the latter organizations I was in and boy, it was, it was always learning a new thing. So it was, it was really great. Well, I mean, we should probably do a, uh, I was just thinking, separate podcast just on on maybe the syllabus of that class but you got to just give us one or two highlights so what, what what are a couple of the key things you'd like your students to get out of that well what was interesting is the first class i said how can i get this kicked off so i asked the students to go and interview a leader okay so i said go find someone i don't care if it's your one of your parents or just someone you know that's in a leadership role the more significant organization, the better it'll be. Right. But go interview a leader and ask them, what is the most complex issue that you face today? And that came back. We, we actually analyzed the data, and it was uh, interesting to find out the number one topic of complex leadership, what top leaders face, is retention, recruitment and retention of talent. Wow. Keeping people engaged, interested, staying on board. You know, we're going through the post-COVID world, and it was all about, uh, you know, do we work from home or not? Right. The great resignation was happening, and uh, boy, it was a it was a fun time to lead that discussion in class. So that was, that's kind of the start, and we just let off with how do you lead change? How, you know, how do you lead in complexity in disruption? Every morning you wake up and the news article of the day could change your whole strategy of your business. So how do you approach that? And what, what kinds of questions you ask? What kind of analysis do you do? How do you engage the team? It, it was really fun, fun work. We did a lot. It's so cool. You know, what's so cool about this is uh, last week's podcast, we had a very young guy who's just kind of starting out and building a franchise business and trying to serve his industry and community well, but he's on the front end. And what I like so much is uh, in talking to you, you've got so many sort of war stories and uh, you're also in this stage where you're still, you know, I would say discipling your peers and, and that sort of thing, uh, but also uh, younger folks. And so I just, I just love the ages and stages and wisdom you gain as you go through this experience. And I sort of love that contrast. And I know that one of the things, you know, <laughs> we could also spend a full podcast on your career. I mean, we kind of blew past all that. You got so many great stories there to unpack. So we're definitely going to have to do another one of these, but, but I know I kind of do want to get into your passion of uh, really sort of discipleship and kind of 
helping people in these transitions in life. Where do we start with that? Do we start with, you know, how you think about the connections? You know, how do you think about using the connections and showing up and, and that sort of phrase that you use? Yeah, no, I'm happy, happy to talk about that. It was a long time developing all of this, right? Yes. I mean, my career, the adventure of my career was, I, I started in sales, but I ended up in leadership of significant operational organizations. And I, at one point, I was a chief information officer. I led a business unit that was driving a whole change, sea change culture in software as a service, a lot in cybersecurity and identity management. So I learned a lot along the way. Right. And I changed a lot along the way. And really, you know, the old, the old uh, phrase of embrace change, well, that's what I did all my, yeah. around my career. Point. And now, my gosh, I feel like I've got as much energy and you know, really more knowledge and wisdom and experience about all of those things than I did when I was actually doing it. I wish I could go back and do it over again. But really, now I feel like you know, I, I have this platform of network and relationships that have been built over the last 40 years of my career that really give me a, an opportunity to advise, to be a sounding board, to coach, and then, you know, like last fall to teach students that are future leaders. So uh, I'm just leaning into that and I get a lot of fulfillment and energy out of those interactions. And it's really kind of the stories that happen from a day-to-day basis on just me being present and showing up for some of those, uh, those opportunities. Well, I've been the beneficiary of some of those conversations, so I, I thank you for that. I also love the story you started telling about your family and how you show up for your family. And I think sometimes, especially when we have a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this, it's easy to get sucked into your business life that's all-consuming, and we barely have the leftovers for our family. I know I can be guilty of that, and so I know you're really intentional about that. So just showing up for your kids and grandkids is part of it, right? Oh, yeah. So, you know, I look back, I actually chose career path heavily related to being able to show up for my six kids, for my parents in their latter part of life that needed some help and tried to be there. And I look back, you know, I'll just use the example of I probably either coached or watched about 2,500 baseball games of my kids. I had four boys that played baseball. And then my daughters between, you know, dance and gymnastics and theater and all that stuff. Oh my gosh. I, you know, I was there a lot and I'm sure I sacrificed some in my career, but you know, I look back and say, I had a great career. I, I loved it. And I really tried to build a balance. And I think most people that know me from those days would say I was Busiest person they knew, but I was probably also a more balanced person that they do. Well, I just think that's a super important point. I think sometimes even in the interviews that I do, I tend to guide toward how do you use your business platform. But I think this is such a critical part of life uh, that we can't leave behind the generosity of time and just showing up for our families as well. I know uh, I can do better in that. In that yeah, and so, you know, relative to today, I, t- I try to very reflectively ask the question, what do my grandchildren need most from their grandfather? Ooh. And really ponder on that as I get ready to go do stuff with them. 
And is it enough to just sit in the stands and watch a sporting event? My answer is, I don't think so. And I think what they really need for their grandfather is one-on-one time, face-to-face. You don't have to teach them a whole lot. They're learning a lot already. But just be present, have good conversation, share tidbits of things that they'll remember. You know, give them a quote to take with them. And uh, I think that's what that's what is needed. Man, that's so good. Well, I know that you also show up for your uh, peers and and people that you uh, mentor over time. And I know that's why you're drawn to halftime. Do you want to just talk a little about that? What's I mean, you did talk about refirement and, and that kind of thing instead of retirement. Uh, but what what draws you to the sort of halftime movement? Yeah. So, you know, for those of you who may not be familiar with Halftime, it, it's a nonprofit organization that was formed by a guy named Bob Buford, who wrote a book called Halftime about nearly 30 years ago. And uh, it was really about finding purpose and meaning and clarity on, you know, what else is there in life besides just having a career. It's a wonderful read. It's a short, easy read. And you really kind of come through it with saying, you know, I need to figure out what I'm here for. And there's more purpose. There, there should be more purpose in life than just making a living. So Halftime really is an organization that was formed as a result of people who read the book that said, hey, that's really good. Tell me more. I'd, I'd love to hear more about it. So the organization was formed a series of programs and events and uh, really a whole community of people that were interested in this and building greater significance outside of their career. And to get clarity of that, get some margin to do it, because sometimes we're so darn busy, it's hard to, to create some of that time, but create margin to do it. And then to start leaning into that. And even though you may still be mid-career and getting on airplanes and going everywhere every week, but still get some time to, you know, lean into your passion, your mission, your interests that might involve directly your family. You know, exactly. It should. Yeah. It can absolutely be a part of that. And, uh, you know, ideally, you know, your family is a part of it and your spouse is together with you on those things. And, but it, at, a, at a minimum, just go out and try it and, and lean into that. And then as you, as you move closer to having more margin and less, stuff in your way, you can lean into that and, and get some uh, good energy and value return for it. Well, one topic that I want to make sure we cover, which is totally correlated with what you're talking about, is th- this idea uh, that you were telling me about of, you know, how do you transition well from something to something? So we've got a uh, a friend or two in common right now, and obviously tons of people listening to this, I'm sure in this season of maybe they've already left something and they're trying to figure out what's next, uh, or they're thinking about leaving something or whether they should. And of course, in Bob Buford's case, uh, you know, he sort of sold the family business and started the nonprofit, but I know he, my understanding is he always kind of regretted. He didn't want people to think that was the only model that you have to leave your job and now go, uh, move to Africa or something. But when you're counseling people about this sort of idea of moving from something to something, how do you coach them in that way? What are some things to think about? Well, first, I would say don't. <laughs> stay, stay where you're at. In other words, I, I, be 
driven to what's next and what's yeah. new. So follow that as a, I've got to do this. There's, there, I've got to find what's next. And I don't, you know, you can call it second half, you can call it third, third, you can call it fourth quarter, but everybody is dealing with this if you're over 40 or 50 years old. You know, I, th- I think it's, it's probably the most common asked question is what am I going to do next or how do I go transition to this? This, uh, there's a, a writing by a guy named David Brooks called The New Old Age. And this is a secular writing, very you know scientific about how we got ourselves into this, and I think it's very cultural definition of post World War II baby boomers, you know the the growth of all the business and technology, and you know think of all of the folks that are in their fifties and sixties and seventies now that started all this, and how do we detach? And I think it's one of the hardest transitions in life. Uh, when you're going through you know, college, you've got decisions like, who am I going to marry? And what's, you know, what's career I'm going to path, what career path I'm going to take? And those later in life, it's, it's narrowing of that focus, right? Yeah. So how do I narrow this? And what do I do next? But you know, I think it's a challenging transition that deserves thoughtfulness and mindfulness and planning. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's what I've been doing a lot of, of leading into is what does that look like and how do you do it really well and what, what is the end goal? What do you want to be doing and, and what, do you, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? Um, so, yeah, and do you, think, do you think that sometimes, especially maybe on the younger side, let's say you know, late 40s, early 50s, something like that, or maybe even you know, into your 60s, do you feel like, if people are really still kind of career driven, they want to do something, uh, you know, still sort of a for profit deal. Do you think they tend to maybe try to move too quickly? If one thing ends, maybe it's a buyout, maybe you just needed to resign for whatever reason, you know, there's an ending. Do you think there's a temptation to move too quickly? We have been conditioned, and please excuse the analogy, but our financial advisors have helped prepare us for retirement all of our lives. And, you know, when do we, get to the number and when can we uh, transition out of our career and we do a lot of planning there's a lot of a lot of uh industry made on that there's a lot of advertisement and marketing done on you know when are we going to be able to sail off and and right. on our boats and play golf every day and i think it has conditioned us to look for that boy i can't wait until that happens but in reality you get to that point i can tell you for me my wife says you have failed at retirement for no five times. (laughs) And uh, I really never intended to retire, but I did leave careers, right? And and then I would move into something next. But I think if we we do, uh, if if you look at reality, we got to stay busy. I, I like to use this story is that, you know, in the Genesis, God, told man that he was uh, destined to labor and toil all the days of his life, his or her life. And uh, then I think there was a comma after that. And he said, and you're going to like it too, because we do like it. We right, like it. right. We're fulfilled by our work. So finding what you can lean into 
uh, post, call it commercial career or whatever yeah. business you're in, I think is is worthy of some planning and and forethought. Yeah, I think this. I think you're right. This idea of uh, retirement is kind of a new thing. I mean, there isn't really. I mean, didn't Moses get his big orders when he was eighty? You know what I mean? Uh, no, most most of the big work has been done by older people. Most, very significant things happened in biblically as well as even career wise. Look at Peter Drucker. I mean. Peter Drucker did most of his work after, I think, age 65. Uh, the older I get, the more I appreciate uh, that's, the, those, those stories. <laughs> Maybe it's not too late. But then, you know, uh, you mentioned, you know, kind of the wealth management business that I'm in. You know, it, when Social Security started, just to add some color to that, in the 30s, early 30s, I mean, life expectancy was like 62 or something. And so they're like, well, if you live to 60, we'll pay you for two years and then... Uh, life expectancy expands, and uh, I like to blame the insurance companies who sell annuities, not the whole industry, but you know they kind of came up with this marketing thing of retirement. But I think you're right. We're not made to sit around and do nothing. And I think it's a little device of the enemy, if you will, to uh, lock us into a card room after playing golf. And I love golf as much as the next guy, but every day it starts to become a job. And so sort of put all that talent on the sidelines when it could be doing something. So how, how do you help people that are trying to figure that out kind of lean into their strengths? What are some of the discovery questions or things that people could be asking themselves to figure out what's next? So, um, you know, I think what came to me was the reality, I'm not done yet, hmm. right? I've got more energy. I've got, you know, I think it must be, some people call it wisdom, but I just... I feel like I know more than I did 30 years ago. I don't feel any differently as a person. I just look differently. So um, I guess my challenge to younger people is find somebody around you that can either mentor you or advise you or coach you that's got some years on you. And that's if you're younger, be mentored. If you're older, find someone that is not in your generation to help and advise and hang out with and do stuff with and have, you know, it, it starts with having coffee. You know, it may be doing activities. It may be going fishing. It may be on the golf course. It may be in a work setting, but I think find somebody multi-generational communication and interaction is a valuable thing. So that's, that's where I'd say just start there. Totally agree. And and I think one of the things that's super unique about you is that you've kind of gotten some groups together, uh, some peers. And I know you've got this sort of the third third. Can, can you just kind of talk about some of these groups you've been involved with? with? Yeah. So interesting, a uh, good friend of mine from high school, we started meeting on them. We just said, hey, let's talk about every month. You know, we, get, we decided to meet every month on the phone, have a conversation and just catch up and talk about what we were dealing with and going through. And I was kind of at that time where I was moving from, call it full-time career, where I was really, really busy to less work uh, or less steady full-time. And uh, we, he's, he was uh, sharing some of his situation. We bet, you know, I bet there's other people that feel this way too. Let's ask a couple of our friends. We each asked a few folks and 
That became eight people that meet on a monthly basis. We found a course that was developed by a guy named Mark Roberts at the Dupree Center for Leadership at Fuller Theological Seminary. And that course is called Flourishing in the Third Third. We finished the course, we studied it and and went through, you know, the videos and the readings and the QA and discussion groups. That has been fantastic. And what we realized is that all eight of us have different aspects of going through this third third, but how do we flourish in the third third? And what do we lean into in that? And that those were it's a great course. I, I just highly recommend if you've got any any interest in this area, just have a look at it. We're now moved into mission and purpose. And so he, Mark Roberts, did have a follow-on to that course that's really focusing on building mission and purpose. Halftime also does a great job with programs that, uh, that help you work on your mission and purpose. So uh, that's, that's really what that's been about. And it's been really good, good conversations, good discussion. What are some of the principles out of that that might be a little different, or maybe they're similar, in age and stage to, okay, so you get the, you know, 50-year-old whose company got bought out trying to figure out what to do next sort of thing, and maybe money's becoming less of a big issue and trying to do something more meaningful, versus maybe you get into that later stage where maybe you're not necessarily looking for another full-time gig. How would you say that it would differ? Is it, you know, maybe 50 years old from 70 years old? You know, it's interesting. Being 50 prepares you to be 70 really well. And that that's what came through in this course for me is what, one of the primary principles is relationships, the mm-hmm. value of relationships. And the relationships that this course is very scientific in terms of its studied you know, it references a number of studies. One was by Harvard University that studied their graduates over a period of, I think, 70 or 80 years and followed, you know, which ones would be considered flourishing or happier and healthier in their later part of life. And part of it was the relationships that you form when you're 50, mm. better quality relationships you have when you're in your that part of life lead to your better health and happiness and flourishment in your late years because you have better relationships. Right. Um, things like nostalgia and reminiscing, extremely healthy for folks as you age. Listening to mu- old music, looking at old pictures, being in places that you were when you were 20 and reflecting on, oh, I remember that conversation that I had with that person there about this. And those are some fun things to contemplate that that actually builds your health. It fires chemically on your brain. And I don't know, I'm not a medical doctor, but there's something that happens with the chemistry in your brain that fuels good things to happen. So that, that was kind of some unexpected things out of that. And, and also having a good spiritual journey along the way and keeping fresh on that and always looking for what, you know, what's the next growth opportunity or growth adventure from a spiritual standpoint. So, and then multi-generational impact that is, is part of that. So really some good things that you may not consciously have thought a lot about 
But when you when you read and take the course, you start identifying some things. Yeah, I need to lean into that a little bit more. So that's something we haven't talked about a lot yet is maybe how, I mean, a couple of Bible references there, but how is your, maybe unpack your spiritual journey for us a little bit and maybe how that impacts how you think about these transitions and talking to other people about them, your own and, and talking to other people. Sure. You know, I, as long as I can remember, I, I believe that I have, you know, had a faith journey and I've been a Christian and had a, some spiritual portion of my life and, and, uh, going back into my high school days was real involved in a ministry called young life. It's very relational, earning the right to be heard. It all made so much sense. I was, I was friends with the guy who led the young life club. I didn't feel like he was a preacher to me. He was a friend of mine. Right. So I, I've been involved in that style of ministry or mission all of my life and really have adopted that into my own style. Uh, I would say that, you know, we've, we, we did a good job raising our kids. Uh, knock on wood, you never quit worrying about your children, even when they're adults. But, you know, we've, we've had, we've been really blessed with, with a great family. We have, like I said, six adult children, all married, 11 grandchildren. We are very conscious of how can we spiritually mentor and all of them. Yeah. So now lead that into what, how do I look at that today? I've got a huge network and a, you know, platform of things, the relationships I've had my big LinkedIn network and all the people I've met throughout my career into students that I've taught, uh, people that, um, I come across on a day-to-day basis. For me, it's that, hey, that's the platform God's given me. And I don't have to go, you know, get, go, go stand up on a stage and talk to thousands of people in a dark auditorium. I just want to say, what's in it for today? And who do I interact with? It's kind of an adventure to say, who, who am I going to come across today? So, therefore, what I try to do in supporting my faith is just be conscious of. God, who are you going to put in front of me today? And to show up for that. Yeah. And I don't know if there's, if it's over coffee or if it's, it's on the golf course or if it's, you know, fly fishing or whatever that is, just be present and be available and, and be, be bold. So, you know, I feel like that whole spiritual journey has been an adventure and it's a fun one. And I tend to have the perspective that while I, I might've thought I was important to the business it would be wrong to be thinking that I'm I'm important relative to, to God's need. He doesn't need me. He enjoys giving me presence to his great work. And so if I show up, I get to be a part of that and witness it and enjoy it. So it's it's not so much that he needs me to get stuff done, but I need to show up so that I can witness that glory and, and enjoy it. Well, I, I think one of the cool things is uh, you've been involved in all kinds of strategy and halftime is also great at, you know, hey, we, you got to have a game plan. But what I love is part of that game plan is margin. I love that word. And I think it's sometimes it's hard to schedule margin because you feel like it's a little bit of empty space. But 
Uh, if you can be on God's agenda the way you described, I think you do a fabulous job of sort of making it look easy. I mean, you're teaching classes. You've got a bunch of family members you're trying to show up for. You got a network and a and a men's group that you're kind of helping. You actually have a pretty full schedule of things, but I love this idea of also having margin time where what's God going to give me today so that so you don't just blow by somebody that you, you, you could have a little meal with or something that a little interaction. If you're so scheduled, you feel like you, you, you'll probably miss some of those opportunities, wouldn't you say? Quick story. Happened to be in the mountains of Utah at the moment and uh, arrived at Salt Lake City Airport last Monday. It was pouring down rain. It was 42 degrees and pretty miserable weather. Came up. It was very cloudy and cold. And I just started thinking, I bet there might be some snow up on that mountain. And you couldn't see the top of the mountain. But as I drove up into the higher elevations, I kind of looked up as like, hey, I see some white. And so I had it. I was tired. I've been traveling all day. I could easily go crash and sit at the house and do nothing. But I said, I'm going to go do a little adventure. And I got in the car, drove up onto the mountain. And that day, probably saw the most beautiful integration of fall to winter that I've ever seen. And got, I'm an amateur photographer, so I took a bunch of pictures and they were probably some of the better pictures I've ever had as well. And what, what a great blessing. And then the analogy of that, of that's the season of life that I'm in. Mm-hmm. It's the fall season, which has a lot of beauty in itself, yeah. right? It's a tremendous amount. I, I think fall's my favorite season, but a tremendous amount of beauty in that stage of life that we're in. And then the winter is coming, and we probably had several inches, four or five inches of snow on the, on the mountain that was integrating with the fall. And oh my gosh, it was fab- fabulous. So the most beautiful was the transition. Yeah. So the transition is what interests me in studying as well. And yeah. not staying still, allowing you yourself to be confused, allowing yourself to say, I'm looking for what the answers are here. What am I going to do next? kind of be in, in neutral instead of full speed ahead drive. But those are some, some good periods to go through so that you find what that next season may hold for you. I love that. There's beauty. And by the way, I do plan on going skiing this fall. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Yeah. But there's beauty in that transition. I mean, that'll preach, Jay. That's a, of, that's a Yeah, that's a, that might be the title of this podcast. Uh, but the... Because I think some of us just want to blow through the transition to get to the next thing. And instead of blowing through it, being intentional through it and accepting the beauty of the transition, that embracing it, I think that's what an awesome picture. You just said it. Man. All right. Well, as we get to the end, Jay, you know, we always like to wrap it up with just some practical tip. I mean, you've given us all kinds of them. So you could sort through one of those or come up with something else that God puts on your heart. But Somebody behind you on the journey, some entrepreneur, maybe they're just kind of entering that halftime phase or however they 
think about that in a transition. What what would be just one simple practical tip you might leave with? Two words. Show up. Love it. I think, you know, so many times we're too busy, we're tired, we're easy to find reasons not, but I think show up has to summarize it. And what I would say is you You've also got to learn when to say no. Yeah. So show up for the the right things. And I think you gain clarity on what that is as you discover it. Yeah. Show up to the right things and let God and others speak to you about that. You, you, that path will get shown. Is that what you mean? Yes. I, you know, I, I kind of have, there's three words, grow, and that is, you know, I don't care whether it's in your faith, in your knowledge, in your studies, in your readings, but grow, adventure, and I'm not only talking about go climb mountains and take hikes and that, but just show up by by being the part of the adventure and impact. So grow, adventure, impact, and impact. I think you is you show up, you take advantage of those opportunities and you will have an impact and you'll be greatly blessed from all the things that you just, that I just said by grow, by growing, by showing up and, and, uh, and having an impact. I love that. Grow, adventure, and impact. A uh, great way to summarize it. And, uh, Jay, just can't thank you enough for being with us today. Thank you. It was, it was fun. And I look forward to spending more time with you and, and, uh, and your, and your friends. Thank you, bud. All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in to this week's Generous Business Owner Podcast. Uh, subscribe to our uh, channel on YouTube and we've got a new website, generousbusinessowner.com, where you can sign up for the newsletter and uh, share it with your friends. Uh, leave us your ratings and reviews and uh, we appreciate you being with us this week. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.